Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. I say I am the luckiest person in the world. And I really believe that. And now I feel really lucky that I get to do what I love, support myself doing it, meet amazing people. I just feel like truly blessed. I feel very lucky. I tell myself that every day. And I feel like that just kind of opens myself up to great possibilities. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. On this week's episode, we have celebrity makeup artist Erin Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so excited to see you. It's been way too long. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear your personal story and kind of, yeah, uh, yeah to dive in. So I always like to start off everything just asking uh, for a little bit of background of, you know, maybe where you're born and raised, um, kind of what was your childhood like, and then ultimately kind of what led you to sure. uh, here here in Los Angeles? Okay. It's, it's actually kind of an interesting story how I fell into doing makeup, but I grew up in a really small town in Western Kentucky um, mm-hmm. called Calvert City. It's um, <laughs> some. It's also known as Possum Trot. <laughs> That's how country it is. Wow, love and it. Um, it's like twenty five hundred people, so wow. not even three thousand people. So it was actually a pretty lovely place to grow up. I lived in the country, and um, you know, it had its struggles with small town mentality, but. Overall, it was pretty nice. And um, I came out to California, gosh, 17 years ago, right out of high school to pursue being a makeup artist. But becoming a makeup artist was really kind of a last minute decision for me. Hmm. Uh, My whole life, I actually wanted to be a marine biologist. And um, I was very focused on math and science in school. And I'm actually a scuba diver. So it is still an interest of mine, okay. but when I was 17, my older sister got one of Kevin O'Quan's books for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I was so jealous, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just amazed. I'd never seen anything like it. Like Being a makeup artist never even crossed my mind before, so I just kind of decided, I think I'm going to do this, so wow. after high school, I put all my shit in my car and came out here by myself and went to makeup school. I had a background in art. I Mm -hmm. I grew up as a dancer and uh, I have a lot of artists in my family. My grandmother's a painter. My uncle does pottery and painting. So I've always been around art and been a creative person. And so even though it was like a whim decision, I feel like I got redirected where I needed to go. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for for sharing. Um, and what a cool start to to get into the makeup industry and the world and and also to have like so so many other passions as well. I think like um, you know, so many people are usually like determined, like this is what they but also not at that age. I mean, that's kind of amazing. In high school, you kind of made this huge decision to like leave, you know, Kentucky and come to a city like Los Angeles at such a young age. Um, was there any hesitation there or were your parents kind of freaked out that you were just going to like move out to LA on your own in this crazy ass city? Um, (laughs) my family was like a little scared for me, but, uh, you know, my whole life, I just always wanted and felt like I was going to live somewhere else. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm thankful for where I grew up, but it was kind of a tough place to be different. And I was like, definitely 
visibly gay since I was a little kid. So that came with its challenges. And I just always knew I was going to (laughs) move. Got it. Yeah, even if I wanted to hide it, I couldn't. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. Like, even as a kid, I remember I was obsessed with Nick at Night. Mm-hmm. And especially Bewitched and I Dream of Genie were like my favorite shows. Yeah. And I remember as a little kid thinking, the people on TV don't have accents like mm-hmm. everyone around me. <laughs> so I actually escaped with very little accent because I'm like, I want to talk like people on TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So I, awesome. I always knew in my mind that I was different and I was going to go somewhere. I love it. Yeah. You have that determination. He was like, I'm not made for this city, honey. I'm going to bigger places and get rid of this accent that's not even going to exist. And wow. on- <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like when you're 17, 18, it's like, you don't think about the things that can go wrong. Yeah. Like that didn't even cross my mind. I was just so ready to go somewhere, do something different, be another place. Um, so it was pretty ballsy when I look back on it. And now if I like had to move somewhere <laughs> where I didn't know anyone and start all over, like I would have a full on panic attack. <laughs> mm, yeah. So it's almost the it pretty ballsy back then. Seriously. I was like the, the most amazing thing I think about a youth, right. Is that you like have very little cares. So you kind of do things, but now that you've like, you know, you're an adult and you've gone through life and have to do all this stuff, you know, as an adult, you kind of like, yeah, you get less and less, ballsy to kind of just go and pick up everything and leave and just go and, you know, try something new. So yeah, it kind of takes that, you know, for lack of a chutzpah, you know, just do it. I'm curious, do you still have, I'm guessing a love for, um, like marine biology or kind of the ocean aquatic kind of life? And I know you said that you still do uh, scuba diving as well. Um, how often do you get to kind of go around? Not as much as I would like to. I actually just went on this incredible trip over the holidays to Costa Rica, and I did mm. this volunteer program, scuba diving, oh, wow. where you get to work with marine biologists and help them collect, collect data while you're diving. Wow. And so that was really cool to like unofficially be a scientist. Yes. Um, but I love what I do. I, I'm not, I could not go to college. <laughs> There's just no way. I don't have the discipline, the attention span. I can (laughs) barely even read anymore because our phones have made us so ADD. I know, right? (laughs) It's so funny. I know. Like seven seven to 15 second clips is all we can handle. It's kind of sad. I think everyone's becoming ADHD slowly but surely. I know. It's depressing programming us otherwise so i'm curious kind of like what was your experience like coming to la first moving here you know like 17 years old is very young and coming to a big city like los angeles can be really daunting i know that i came down here at like 21 and freaking out so what was it like for you yeah so when i first moved out here i actually lived in orange county like in the laguna area because it was the only place i'd ever been in california before because my best friend in high school was from laguna beach and that was like at the time of Laguna Beach on MTV. So oh, yeah. like Laguna's what's up. <laughs> so I moved there and I actually ended up going to makeup school in Orange County. Mm. The, the school's not open anymore, but um, the woman who taught me, her name is Donna Me, and she still teaches um, workshops and stuff. So if you're interested, definitely look her up. I had never done makeup before, ever. Mm. 
I just like was really gambling on this. Wow. And um, it's interesting because I, I found out about this school from some woman that I met at a Nordstrom uh, Dior counter while my friend was buying perfume. And yeah. I was like, oh, how did you get started in makeup? She told me about this school. I went to go tour it. And then as soon as I walked in the door, it was a giant framed photo of that Kevin Aquan book. Uh-huh. And it was signed from him. He was friends with the owner and he would tell people, he had already passed away by the time I got into makeup, but he would tell people to go to her if they were interested in becoming a makeup artist. So hmm. it was just really like fate that I ended up there. But back to what we were saying about just the difference in culture. <laughs> it was a, a kind of a culture shock for me because I come from somewhere where there's like literally no diversity. Mm. <laughs> everyone's white, everyone's Christian, every, most everyone is conservative. So hmm. it was a culture shock, but in a, the best way. Like to me back then, <laughs> coming from where I came from, I'm like, Orange County is so liberal. This is so cool. <laughs> but uh, now that I live in LA, I'm like, oh, I see why people say it's conservative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, back then I didn't really have a reference point to compare it to. Right, right. It was completely different from what you were used to, which was, yeah, back in Kentucky. So, yeah. Um, hindsight is always yeah. twenty twenty, as they say, right? Yeah. All right, I'm curious, kind of how how long was your program uh, in makeup school, and then um, did you stay in the Orange County in the Orange County? Mm-hmm. Did you stay in the OC and you know, kind of like build your clientele there, or did you move <laughs> to LA right after? <laughs> exactly, such as the OC, <laughs> the or such as the Orange County. Exactly. <laughs> um, funny story. I was actually there for that pageant doing makeup. <laughs> oh, wow wow when that woman give that girl gave that awful pageant answer my friend said so you should write a book about all the crazy stuff you witnessed in your life yeah. but anyway adhd sorry you're um, good what were you asking me again <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just curious like how long your program was uh at school and then oh, like school. School, yeah school, school. yeah <laughs> go back to school go back to school <laughs> okay okay <laughs> so i went for it was probably close to a year. Um, it was a lot of hands-on stuff. Um, the teacher I learned from, she actually taught makeup from kind of a scientific perspective based on mm. color theory and lighting and angles that were almost mathematical. Mm. Um, so such a valuable tool because it's almost like when I see someone, I can, uh, what's that math movie? about the guy that does the equations. I don't remember, but it's like, it just comes to me and it's like a math equation. Like I can just see what I'm supposed to do and where things are supposed to go Hmm. because of that type of training. Yeah. But anyway, I digress again. (laughs) Um, I went for about a year and I was, I also learned like special effects and character makeup and making, you know, prosthetics, but, I was just not into that. I always was like, I just want glamour and beauty mm-hmm. all the time. So uh, I finished school and I was actually working at a Dior counter while I was in school, just mm-hmm. as my first makeup job. And I stayed in Orange County for several years, um, just doing retail really, because mm-hmm. it was great practice. 
um, I really got to hone my skill because like I said, I, I'd never done makeup before until I went to school. Right. So it made sense in my mind, but it took a while for my hands to really catch up to it. Got it. So retail was like the best practice. I got to work on like all different ages, all different ethnicities. And I, I enjoyed that time. It was kind of nice when I look back on it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really cool. I think that, um, yeah, learning your craft, but then like you said, almost like putting in your dues or putting in the time, uh, you know, working retail and kind of learning how to use it is probably wiser than just thinking that like, well, I have this degree now and like, I'm just going to go take on Los Angeles or the world, you know, and, and kind of, you know, get all these clients or whatever. Right. But, so what was kind of your process like from staying in a, in Orange County, rather uh, the Orange County, uh, and then ultimately coming to LA at what point did you feel like you were ready or was there some specific event that happened where you felt like, okay, this is the, the moment that I need to move to Los Angeles so I can expand. Okay. I hope you're ready for a long story. I'm listen, I'm, I'm all ears. Let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> I did retail for several years. Uh, great practice, but working with the public is very challenging, mm -hmm. especially in retail. So after several years of working in retail, I was just like, so over it. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. What am I going to do with my life? And I was so scared to take a risk then. Um, and it's such a risk to like go out and not have steady employment and be a freelance artist. Like that's pretty terrifying. I had actually gone back to Kentucky for maybe six ish months hmm. and okay. um, left retail. And while I was there, one of my grandfather was um, in the terminally ill. Hmm. So I spent a lot of time with him. And the last conversation we had together, he was telling me about how he started working when he was eight years old. He shined shoes because he was very poor in Tennessee, mm. like Dolly Parton poor. Um, and then he ended up becoming a successful like uh, insurance agent that owned his own business. So okay. he told me like every job he ever had and what kind of risks he had to take from this one to that one. And he just said, you know, if you want to be successful, you just have to go for it. And it is a risk and it's going to be scary, but you won't have the reward if you don't, don't take the risk. Mm, so right. um, after he passed away, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. So then when I came back to California after that, um, I was teaching at the makeup school I went to at night mm -hmm. so that during the day I could do test shoots and, you know, work on my book because right. I didn't really have much to show from working in retail for so long. I also started assisting some celebrity artists while I was doing that. And then eventually I just ended up working so much in LA within probably the first year of freelancing that I'm like, I think it's time to move up there. Hmm. And um, I've been up here for probably eight or nine years now. And um, I, I love it. Yeah. That's, um, th that was not that long of a story. That was a great story. Thank you uh, for sharing. Um, I gave you the condensed version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more, a lot more things happening throughout that time. Yeah. Um, 
You know, it's interesting. So when you were freelancing, I know that like the OC is kind of known for um, a lot of like makeup makeup is known for a lot of uh, wedding or bridal kind of makeup, you know, because it's a gorgeous location. A lot of people like love to get married there. Were you kind of delving into that arena as well? Or was it primarily um, just kind of fashion and beauty kind of shoots that you were doing when you were building your book? Uh, I never primarily focused or went after bridal or event kind of makeup when I was starting out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would do things if people referred it to me, but I always wanted to do fashion and beauty and celebrity kind of stuff. So um, mostly I was doing a lot of test shoots. Yeah. You know, in the beginning they were pretty rough, (laughs) (laughs) but it was more about like gaining the confidence to be on set. I was Mm. like so nervous. I had no confidence at all Mm. until I became a freelance makeup artist. So Mm. like doing those test shoots kind of eased me into it because there was no pressure for me. And that kind of built me up to be like, okay, I can really do this. Wow. Yeah. So to go a little deeper, I'm curious kind of what maybe personal struggles have you had to go through as a celebrity makeup artist or, you know, first starting out that you feel have ultimately like led you to kind of thrive in your career as a celebrity makeup artist? Definitely. It was a confidence issue for me. Um, Like I said, I really had no confidence until Mm -hmm. I started really actively pursuing my dream. Mm -hmm. And once I really took the risk and started doing that it's like everything was so exciting and so new and every experience like gave me a little bit more so the more i worked at it the more confident i felt not just in my work but as a person Mm. so it was such a gift to really make that leap and it's scary to do that but um it, it definitely paid off yeah no absolutely What do you think it was that kind of gave you that confidence? I mean, because like you said, working on set and kind of getting used to, you know, the the workings of being on set. And for those people that aren't on set, maybe they don't know. But um, was there something inside that kind of shifted or did you just feel like you you built a sense of more self-esteem, more not ego is not the right word, but a more sense of self? Like, how did that kind of progress? If you can expand on that. Sure. Um, There's a couple aspects to that. And I'm going to start with something that kind of ties back to that long story I was telling you. (laughs) Um, And it's a little bit (laughs) (laughs) woo-woo. But when I was teaching at at that makeup school that I went to, there was a student that came up to me one day and they didn't really, they didn't know anything about my personal life. Mm -hmm. And this girl came up to me at the end of class and was like, I don't normally tell people this, but, um, I'm a psychic and there's something that I'm supposed to tell you. And I'm like, Whoa. okay, well, I'm, I'm like very open to stuff like that. So I guess she felt comfortable telling mm-hmm. me. And she said, well, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm going to describe what I see and you can interpret it how you want to. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I see this older man with really silver, beautiful hair, which my grandfather had. Mm-hmm. And she goes, he just keeps pointing down at his shoes and they're very shiny. And I just like instantly bursted into tears. Mm. And um, she was like, he's just wanting to tell you that you're on the right track and he'll make sure it works out for you. Just don't give up. 
Wow. And that was like, sorry, I'm trying not to cry now thinking about it, but that was like such a turning point for me. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. It's all good. Um, it just like took, took away my fear hmm. and um, gave me the encouragement to really do it. And the other part of it, on a less personal note, <laughs> was assisting. Mm. Um, I got to assist some really great makeup artists. Probably the one I assisted the most was Gregory Arl when he was um, working with Gwen Stefani a lot. Mm. And like, oh my God, Gwen Stefani was everything to me as a, you know, a gay from the 2000s, especially living in Orange County. Um, so it was like, living vicariously through other makeup artists that were doing big jobs that I aspired to do. Just being there and like having none of the pressure be on me mm, was yeah. so encouraging and gave me the confidence to be like, oh, when I get to something like that one day, I'm going to know what to do because I've already seen it. Yeah. So that was a huge confidence builder for me. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Yeah. You're like bringing tears to my eyes. I was like, Ooh, not, not me crying on, on this podcast, <laughs> but no, thank you for sharing. I cry every time I tell that story. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold it in. <laughs> yeah. No, that's beautiful. My makeup. <laughs> <laughs> not, not your look. No, no tears. <laughs> Let me rephrase this. Okay. So the, the name of the podcast is the creative Lotus and it's based on the concept of the Lotus flower, both blooms and seeds at the same time, but it's only from like the muck or the shit under the water that you don't see uh, through photosynthesis that this beautiful flower is able to bloom. And so during the, the pandemic, you know, I really realized that so many creatives are kind of just like that Lotus flower that like all this struggle and strife under the water that people don't see is what leads to this beautiful Lotus blossoming, right? So I'm curious, kind of what has been your beautiful lotus flower blossoming moment uh, with all maybe this shit and stuff or the struggle underneath the water that's kind of happened uh, in your career thus far? I mean, definitely that that story I just told you about my grandfather was like the biggest like transformative moment for me mm -hmm. really in my entire life, not just my career. But yeah, I, I think growing up, in a small town being gay and very different and i was mm -hmm. bullied a lot like mm. that had a really lasting impact on me and my confidence and it really you know affected all areas of my life mm -hmm. so like i said once i started pursuing makeup like my actual dreams and not just working at a counter just to make money and get by mm -hmm. that's when it uh, the water started to like become clearer for me because it was just getting little tastes of of power that I really felt like I never had. Mm -hmm. So that's really what what made me feel like I was coming into bloom, if you want to say that. Mm. Yeah. No, that's very well said. I I totally see that and and totally get it. Um, coming into Thank your own, you. and you're you're also started at a young age as well too. So I feel like that also has something to do with it, right? It's kind of like turning the traumas of life and you know just trying to figure yourself out. You know, growing um, as a young adult as well. Yeah, yeah. I've always been a very introspective person. Um, 
I'm not religious anymore, but I grew up Catholic and then, you know, I'm very interested in spirituality and other religions. And mm -hmm. I've always tried to, you know, find my flaws and ways that I can uh, better myself while at the same time embracing them and not, because I feel like sometimes self-help and improvement, mm -hmm. if you're always in a space of like, oh, I need to fix this, I need to get better, you're almost doing a disservice to yourself because you're never happy where you are. Mm, yeah. Um, so I think it's a balance if you have to be like, okay, these are the things about myself that maybe aren't serving me anymore, but you have to give yourself some grace of, you know, how you became that way. And it, everything is going to take time and effort to change. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you definitely have to look forward and have goals through your personal development, but you also have to be at peace of where you are at the same time. Absolutely. Totally agree. So I'm curious, you know, you kind of tapped into this, uh, or mentioned this already saying, you know, like you grew up very like obviously gay, you know, and I, I can totally relate. Although the irony is I didn't come out to way later, but, um, I'm curious growing up in the South, like, what was that really like for you? Was it really difficult to like, was your family accepting? Did you have to have this big coming out moment? Um, you know, our industry, I feel like is very accepting, you know, kind of an under understood, or it's kind of almost just kind of like not a thing, but I'm curious on a personal level, was it, what was your story like? Like I said, I had pretty, kind of a hard time in school. I mean, I there might have been a couple other gay kids, but mm. um, I was very visibly gay since I was a little kid. Like even before I knew I was gay, I was getting mm. called every name in the book. Mm. Um, so I really had a tough time with that. But I am so blessed with my family especially being for where i'm from they've always let me be myself hmm. and like even when i was a little kid they would buy me barbies because i was like hmm. obsessed with the little mermaid <laughs> um so any kind of mermaid barbie they would buy it for me for christmas and just little things like that to show me like oh you know we support you and you can pursue what you're interested in hmm. and i um, started dancing when I was, I think, five years old. And um, that was like my whole life until I was about 16. And so, you know, being, being a gay dancer in, in a tiny small town in Kentucky yeah. came with its struggles. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's all in how you look at it. I mean, I've definitely done some work to get over those things but mm. at the same time i wouldn't change it at all like i think being bullied for me like gave me this deep compassion and wow. love for people that um maybe i wouldn't have had before because i would never want to treat people the way that i got treated right so it's you know i try to see the best in people not to a fault but i really feel like it changed my perspective and I'm thankful for it. Wow. Yeah. So in, in my Buddhist practice, we talk about turning kind of poison into medicine. And so your, your story that you just shared is kind of, is just that mm -hmm. it's like, you took the situation and completely like transformed it to yeah. be able to, yeah, make it into something where 
you want to treat others as you did, weren't treated, right? And like shifting the paradigm uh, to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. treat others with that respect. So that's amazing. So my next question is, you know, what has been your greatest achievement that you personally take pride in, but maybe that you're not necessarily uh, outwardly known for? Um, and this doesn't have to be career related. It can just kind of be uh, anything that you've achieved. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> my greatest achievement. I, I'm, I can't think of like a particular career milestone, but um, gosh, to me, it's just like the fact that I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself of where I came from and how far I've come and how much work it took to get there. And I'm just like constantly feeling proud of myself. Mm. Um, Not in a conceited way, but I wouldn't (laughs) say there's a particular event that made me feel like, oh, now I'm here, you know? (laughs) Got it. No, that, that totally makes sense. I'm curious, kind of who was your first celebrity that you were able to, you know, do makeup on and kind of, if you can share, what was that process like of uh, getting to that point? You know, you talked about earlier where you were assisting makeup artists that helped you to build the confidence, but then like, when did it become your own celebrity client and you were able to like do that for yourself? Well, I'd say the first several years of my freelance career, like other than the, other than the assisting, I was working with a lot of clothing brands mm. doing like e-commerce shoots, which was great because it helped me, you know, make a steady living yeah. and was also great practice doing photo shoots every day. Mm. But um, I, I did that for years until um, I feel like my agents kind of decided I was ready to take on celebrity stuff, mm-hmm. which is totally different. You're dealing with, a lot of different personalities and you're collaborating with a lot more people. Yeah. Um, you know, stylists, hairstylists, managers, uh, publicists, the celebrity, like it, it's definitely a, a skill that you have to learn mm-hmm. through just through practice and yeah. doing it. Sorry. I, I got distracted again. What was, <laughs> <You're all good. laughs> did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of, sort of. No, I was just going to say, who was your, who was I'm your like first? Trying, I'm trying to think of like, oh, my first celebrity. You know what? I, I have to really think about this. Um, okay, let's look back through the old Instagram. That's my way <laughs> of remembering things because I have terrible memory. I love it. I love it. But I mean, I'd say like, now like someone that i still work yeah, with that work like with. Yeah. i feel kind of helped shift my career mm-hmm. was um lily singh mm. uh, i still work with her a lot and um i feel like that has kind of shifted my career and mm. especially i i'd say since i've met her i've kind of fallen into this niche of working with um, non-white women. Hmm. I mean, I, I do still work with white women, but the majority of my clients are are not white. And it's, I kind of, I never sought out to do that, but I think hmm. because of working with her, you know, working with other skin tones can be challenging for people. And hmm. it's amazing to me that in 2023, 
there are makeup artists that can't do it, which right. is inexcusable to me. But um, I feel like that really put me in this other phase of my career. Just throwing a little bit of shade there, just a little salt, just a little, you can't do it. That's a problem. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, how can you call yourself a makeup artist if you can't do makeup yeah. on anyone that sits in your chair? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I totally feel you. I totally get At it. At that point, I'd say you're a makeup enthusiast and not a makeup artist. <laughs> shots fired shots fired y'all that is that's what's up i love it now we're getting the real shade real tea okay i love it no that's incredible i think the fact that you are focused on you know non-white skin and also kind of it also shows the more inclusivity of kind of where the industry is at as well right i think um i mean we still have a long ways to go but the fact that you are working with these different celebrities that are you know non-white women that are you know, beautiful and are, you know, in the spotlight of whatever array that they're, they're working in is kind of, um, incredible, you know, cause it shows that we're, we're making some progress there. So that's awesome. What, um, I know you said you started working at the Dior counter. Are you like a Dior, uh, ambassador or enthusiast or kind of what is your, your go-to makeup? I mean, I'm still a wild, crazy for Dior. I, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, paid to use Dior, but you know, yeah. they are generous to me with mm. products. I'm, I'm very lucky at this point in my career that a lot of brands support me. Yeah. So, um, but as far as my favorites, I mean, Dior, Pat McGrath, like mm. one of the greatest makeup artists of all time. Yeah. And her products are incredible. Mm. Uh, I use a lot of NARS and Francois NARS, also incredible artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, Viseart, uh, it's a French color line, mostly eyeshadows and blushes. Mm. Um, I actually used to work with them quite a bit. I'm friends with the owner of that. And it's a pro brand, but I, I do feel like consumers are starting to know about it as well. Got it. That's so cool. I love it. Part of what keeps makeup interesting for me, because... You know, I don't always get to do like creative, cool looks. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you're just making someone look how they look, but enhance. Right. So it can get a little repetitive sometimes. So for me, the way to keep it interesting is there's always new products coming out. So I'm like, okay, well, how can I achieve the same look, but using new things, different mm-hmm. things, doing it in different orders? Um, changing placement just a little bit. Like, I'm sure if someone else looked at it, they were like, oh, these look exactly the same. But when I look at it, I can see why it's different. So it's like every time I do a makeup, there's some sort of experiment I'm doing or some way I'm challenging myself because that's what keeps it fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's true artistry, right? Is like you may only have a paintbrush and, you know, these colors or this paint, but it's like, how do I keep on reinventing, you know, what it is that I'm doing, uh, but still making it like authentically yourself, right? It's kind of like, like you said, there's more products always coming out, but like you may not be able to like paint a full, you know, crazy face on someone because they can't look like that on the red carpet or for a photo shoot, but like you are able to kind of yeah switch it up and and kind of test your your artistic ability. So that's super cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
I think one thing that all makeup artists we get such a rush off of mm -hmm. is like I call it MacGyvering. So like if someone asks you for something like I don't know purple glitter liner and you're like I don't have purple glitter liner mm -hmm. but you're like looking through all your stuff and you figure out a way to make it out of what you have and when you do that and you're successful at it it's like damn I'm so good like it just gives you such a rush yeah to like make something out of nothing <laughs> yeah absolutely I love it MacGyvering things yeah it's so true though. Like that's, that's really the artistry of it. You know, like that's the cool, the cool fun part of uh, being able to be an artist and yeah, coming up with the creative concept on the spot, even if you don't seemingly have the, the, the thing that the client may be asking for. So very cool. I'm curious kind of what is your greatest weakness? Uh, but when you recognize that weakness kind of coming up or, or showing rearing its head, uh, what do you do to kind of combat it in the moment uh, so that it kind of doesn't keep repeating itself? I'd say um, definitely in the, in the age of social media, something that I can struggle with and I think all artists struggle with it is comparing yourself. Yeah. Um, not just your work but like your career path to other people yeah. and you do have to constantly remind yourself like everyone has a different career trajectory everyone's gonna make it at different paces some people are gonna blow up right away some people are gonna like slowly burn to the top it definitely can be like you can't get into doom scrolling <laughs> so like true. looking at other people doing things and being like why am i not doing this mm. why is this so much better than what i'm doing mm. you really have to like switch your mindset and be like wow i'm really i'm happy for them like they're really doing it and doing something cool like congratulations for them my time will come to do that yeah i think if you come from a place of being um jealous or hard on yourself because you're not there mm -hmm. um, you're kind of blocking those opportunities energetically mm -hmm. so you really have to be happy genuinely happy for other people's success right to attract more success to you yeah so so true yeah i'm super guilty of that myself and i've really had to do like yeah some work to try and not yeah, be we all are <laughs> yeah and I, I i think you make a valid point right like social media has almost kind of like doubled that energy of comparison because you're constantly inundated with like everyone else's stuff they're doing you know and and it's like a highlight reel like everything you see is kind of like the best of right they're not putting out the shit they're putting out like the best and yeah right yeah, it's definitely um, like a, a mental muscle that you have to build to be to be able to resist that temptation to compare yourself. Mm. And I mean, it does still happen every now and then. But yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you'll just make yourself miserable. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you just came back from uh, Cannes Film Festival, which looked incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious, has there been yeah. kind of... <laughs> has there been a has there been a moment where you felt like you quote unquote made it in the industry or a highlight of your career that you feel like you'd really really been working toward for like all these years and then you'd finally like accomplish that achievement? I would say it's like when I started traveling for work 
mm. that I was like, I'm legit now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anytime I get to travel somewhere for work, I just feel like so lucky, so grateful mm. that I get to go somewhere cool, get paid to be there. Like it's such a treat. So I'm, I don't ever take that for granted. Yeah. No, that's, that, that is incredible. Cause it is kind of a, not a luxury, but kind of a luxury, right. To be able to fly somewhere for it a project. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's challenging as hair and makeup people know, and probably stylists too. Traveling with all of our stuff is mm-hmm. such a hassle <laughs> yeah. and you don't always get time to like enjoy the place that you're at. Um, yeah. but I do always try to make time to like, I don't know, go to at least go to a cool restaurant or dinner somewhere that I've never been or mm-hmm. like when I was just in Cannes, that was my, my second time doing Cannes, but my fourth time in that part of France because my mm-hmm. friend used to live there. Mm. So I'm like, well, while I'm here, I'm just going to take an extra week and not work and just nice. enjoy being here. Like I'm already all the way over here. I might as well take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. I feel like a lot of artists don't get to, or don't choose to do that. Right. Because it is kind of this like semi hustle culture. So, uh, yeah, to be able to enjoy yourself in a beautiful place like Cannes is is incredible. Yeah. So you have to have to have to make time. You have to make time to do things that are not work and take breaks. And it's hard when you work for yourself, and and um, you really do feel like you have to hustle all the time. But mm-hmm. if you don't take those breaks and just enjoy living your life as a person and not as a artist or a business mm-hmm. um you're gonna burn yourself out and you're just gonna be resentful of your work yeah relaxation and also yeah having kind of time for yourself is is so so necessary and I think uh, as americans as well we are kind of the least um vacation friendly country <laughs> in the entire world like we don't really give ourselves the break we need yeah i know it's wild I'm I'm like dying to move to Europe one day. So maybe mm-hmm. one day I'll have vacation culture life. But I mean, I'm pretty good at uh, treating myself and taking time for myself. Yeah. And it, it it can be challenging. Like when you're on a trip and you get an email or a text from someone like, oh, can you do this job? And it's, sometimes that's a great opportunity and you're not there. Mm. And um, you just kind of have to let it go. And, you know, things will, other opportunities will pop up, but we, my friends and I always joke, like, if you're not busy, plan a vacation and you'll probably have to cancel it. (laughs) It's so, so, so true. As soon as you say you're going to take a step away from work, then all the jobs come in. (laughs) Yep. 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 So there's never a good time. You have to make the time and commit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Make the time, commit to it and know that, like you said, the work is still going to come in. Even if it, if you can't do those jobs that like your work stands for itself and you're able to, yeah, the jobs will still keep coming even if you take yeah. vacation. And that kind of, for me, ties back to a little bit of the, like comparing yourself to other people mm-hmm. is like, okay, if I'm on vacation and that opportunity, an opportunity comes along and I can't do it, 
that probably wasn't meant for me. Maybe mm-hmm. I would have done that job and it would have been a really challenging client or they wouldn't have liked me or same thing when you're seeing other people doing things like you wish you were doing, like maybe that wasn't a good fit for you and that's why you're not doing it. So you really have to, I'm an eternal optimist. So you really, it's like, it's hard work, but you'd have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to reframe things. Otherwise you'll make yourself miserable. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. The, the biggest issue I think with, yeah, the comparison factor, but also the idea that, uh, yeah, having to almost tell yourself if, if this is, if I'm not getting this or I'm not doing this, there's a reason for it. And I'm, I have to be completely okay with that, you know? And I think as an artist and a freelancer, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is your livelihood. So it is really difficult to say that to yourself or or know that that is actually the, the situation, but more often than not, that really is the situation because it's kind of like, you know, I've done gotten or I've bid for jobs, not gotten them and then found out what happened on set or what the shoot was. And you're like, oh, thank God I didn't do that. <laughs> like, there's no way in hell right. I wanted to do that, you know? So yeah, yeah, you have to know that there's some sense of whatever you believe in, um, you know, there's some sense of protection there for you to not be in that alignment for that specific thing. Totally. So. I think that comes up for hair and makeup people a lot too, because like you can't always be available for a client when they request you. Right. Like there are going to be times where they're going to use someone else because you weren't available. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be times maybe that client doesn't come back. Maybe they do like someone else better than you. But, you know, maybe that client's going to be turning into someone difficult to work with when they're uh, farther on in their career mm-hmm. and you're redirecting yourself away from that and you're creating um space for new people that do fit into your life and um bring you joy when you work with them so you really like i said it's a it's a lot of mental gymnastics and i i'm not perfect i i do have my moments where things like that get to me but you really have to remind yourself what's meant for me will happen for me yeah well said you have to believe it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You have to fully commit and believe. To, yeah, believe it for yourself. I'm curious, what kind of brings you the most happiness now versus like young Aaron when you first got into the industry and were out of uh, makeup school? So uh, professionally, um, I would say like back when I was starting, it was like I said yes to everything. Like I just wanted to work all the time. I didn't care if I, it was a miserable day at work. Like I just wanted to work hmm. to meet people, to make money. Um, and, you know, it's a luxury now later in my career that like, you know, if something comes along and I don't want to do it, I don't do it. So now instead of like focusing on doing it, like taking every single thing, cause that used to be what gave me fulfillment is mm-hmm. being busy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that came after COVID Mm. Um, now it's like, what gives me fulfillment is when I get to work with clients, uh, hairstylists, stylists, photographers, like when you have a really good day where everyone just seems to be like on the same page and creating something really great. Mm-hmm. That's what gives me fulfillment is, mm. um, just being in alignment with people like that. 
for one common goal and it being successful yeah. as opposed to just being busy and making money. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's, that's the dream I think, right. For everyone is to really, um, yeah, really enjoy what you, what you're doing and not just doing it for the hustle of got to make the coin so I can pay the bills and everything else, but really like, yeah, loving what you do. Yeah. I'm not saying every day is like that and every job is like that. But when you have one, it's like, oh, this is why I do it. This makes me so happy. That's incredible. Yeah, that's the the dream life, as they say. What What is your work ethic like? Um, you know, obviously, like you've already shared, kind of being a creative is not an easy task. Freelancing is not, you know, for everybody. But, you know, what do you, how do you kind of, ensure that you're working consistently, but also kind of like, what is the day in the life like for you um, as a celebrity makeup artist? Um, I mean, I'm lucky. I have a great relationship with my, my agents and, mm -hmm. and my clients. So I feel like a lot of my business now at this point in my career is through referrals. Like mm -hmm. somebody knows somebody and passes my name along. I feel like that's most of where my business comes from now, but, um, oh, a day in the life as a makeup artist. Well, you know, a lot of waking up early, very early. Um, I'd say most of my business now is, um, doing goes like I hmm. do the makeup, I get someone ready and then I'm done and I Out. leave, yeah. which can be a little hard to leave. <laughs> leave your work in control of someone else after you're mm. gone. But I, I do a lot of that now. And, you know, some days I only have one, some days I have multiple in a day. Mm. Um, so it's not that often anymore that I work like, you know, a 10, 12 hour shoot. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, there's always homework <laughs> is what I call it. Mm. So I'm always cleaning sanitizing washing brushes i'm like i'm very ocd <laughs> I, you can tell like things perfectly lined up um yes. so i spend so much of my time when i'm not at work like mm -hmm. preparing for work to make mm -hmm. my job easier hmm. yeah that makes sense i mean yeah i think well, yeah, because you're using makeup on people's faces, right? Or bodies for that matter as well. It is kind of like a, there has to be like a certain level of like sanity and also like cleanliness necessary for the work that you do, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be sanitary for sure. I mean, that's like bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, um, you know, being super organized saves you so much time when you're doing makeup. Like, I could look in my I could get something out of my kit without even looking just by feel because I know where everything is at all times and it always goes in the same place. I'm like a little bit psycho like that. So that saves me so much time. I'm never like rummaging around looking, looking for things. Mm -hmm. um, but that, I mean, that's a discipline you have to commit to. But the other part of that is it really puts, clients at ease when they see that your things are so perfectly organized like mm -hmm. one they can tell that it's clean two when they see that they're just like oh they know what they're doing and they instantly kind of 
relaxed and trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Completely makes sense. Yeah. I recently got my makeup done actually for a friend's wedding and I haven't had like makeup done in forever. Um, I know. And it was airbrushed too, but it was, it's so funny because I think you don't realize what the process is like until you've had it done yourself. And then you're like, oh, wow. Like, like you're everything that you just said, like you want to see the artists, like everything is tidy. Everything is organized because it puts you at ease, not having to worry like, oh my God, if like anything touches me and I get, you know, a breakout or I freak like whatever, you know, like unlimited amount of things that could possibly happen. But yeah, to be kind of the best, you know, version of the makeup artist um, and being super on top of it is, is definitely reassuring as the, the person getting their, their makeup done. I think part of that um, is not just, you know, putting clients at ease, but there are a lot of people that are really good at makeup. And so what clients are going to remember is how you made them feel. So part of that is putting them at ease with being organized and sanitary The other part is like, honestly, your personality, are they having a good time with you? Um, You know, some of my clients, I give them like shoulder massages if they're feeling Mm -hmm. stressed. Like, I kind of have like a calming voice. So I think that's helpful for me in my career. Um, Mm -hmm. So like I said, there are a lot of people that are good at makeup. So you have to find ways that set yourself apart that aren't based on just your makeup. Yeah. So, so, so true. Yeah. Personality and who you are and how you represent yourself and your business or your brand, right. Is, is also really crucial in that. Um, I'm curious, do you ever use assistance uh, with the work that you do? Um, And if so, kind of how is that, um, how does that relationship kind of work working with other, another artist? I honestly don't get to use one very much. Mm-hmm. I loved assisting when I was doing it. Um, so when I do get to have one, it's usually someone that I've worked with before, or I know through another makeup artist. Mm-hmm. It can be, you don't want to take too much of a risk on an assistant because, yeah. you know, you don't want someone that's super chatty or like trying to stand out themselves. Like you're there right. to be an assistant. Right. Um, but it, it's a little challenging for me to have an assistant because I'm so used to doing everything myself and I'm so particular with, like I said, my kit and everything. Um, so a lot of times I'm like, oh, like, really, you're just here. Like, you can hold my set bag for me or maybe watch someone on set one getting someone else ready mm-hmm. and step in and like powder if they need to my number one thing I ask assistants to do is like, will you remind me to drink water today? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I tend to use people that are other makeup artists that are also my friends just cause like I enjoy having the company around, yeah. um, but it can be hard for me to let go of control of things. Cause I really like things done a very particular way. And the people that I do use when I do get to have an assistant, they know that about me and they know how I like to do things. So I'm a little more willing to let them do more um, than I would with someone new. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, it's a it's a relationship of trust for sure. And 
I mean, similarly to what you're talking about with assistants, I feel the same way with like a photo assistant. Like I'm, I shouldn't say this, but I'm very controlling in the way of how I like things to go. And like, if you haven't, like you said, if you have an assistant that you don't know that well, or they're, you know, trying to like make friends with the client or trying to like stand up like almost over you, you're kind of like, what is going on here? So yeah, using friends or having people that you can trust is, um, definitely uh not only helpful but it's kind of necessary if you will yeah i've had issues with people in the past before that like are just way too talkative Mm. that's like my number one thing because i'm i do talk with my clients when i'm when i'm working with them but Mm -hmm. like when i'm really focused on something like i don't talk very much yeah especially when you're like you know, doing fucking red lip liner. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't need people talking right now or yeah. doing a very precise eyeliner. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice to have people that, you know, are on the quieter side. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. when we're just like hanging out offset after the makeup's done, like I want someone to kiki with and keep me <laughs> company all day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Totally makes sense. Yeah. It's the best to have your friends on set. I mean, that's like the the culmination of everything that's yeah. perfect in that realm. So it's the best part I think about um becoming more successful as an artist is you know, giving opportunities to your other artist friends and like trying to help everyone come up together is is so rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because at the top of your game is kind of can be the loneliest thing, right? So why not help others people to kind of get there with you? It's not just like you and you alone, if you will. So, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, kind of what have you learned about yourself uh, that through this industry and working uh, that you didn't know prior to getting into it? I feel like something I've kind of stepped into over the past few years is like, I'm very good at reverse psychology, (laughs) which is a lot of our job. Like it's a lot of mind reading Mm. and uh, like explaining, giving suggestions of uh, ideas you have to people in a way where almost they think they made the decision, but really it's you that are making the decision. So you learn to kind of be crafty with the word that you, the way that you word things. And that's, that's a very valuable tool. I mean, it can, I guess to some people would sound manipulative, but you always have good intentions because you're trying to, you know, convince someone of what you believe is the best decision based on your expertise. Right. So that that's been a, a, a power I think I've definitely come into that mm. is very useful yeah. in all areas of life really, but <laughs> yes, no, that's so true. I feel like you have to kind of, yeah, sometimes you want something to happen and you do have to use like re- reverse psychology to get that thing to happen. So the person feels yeah. like they're in charge, even though in reality is, is that you're in charge. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. You're like given the illusion of choice. <laughs> exactly. But really exactly. there's not. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
what's been one of the biggest jobs, if you will, and however you want to kind of phrase that or put that, but uh, that you've done that you've kind of uh, were kind of amazed by, by being on set or working with a specific person um, that you were kind of like, holy shit, like this is like big time, big deal. Uh, I'd say it's like when you get to work with people that you've really looked up to for a long time, like um, I work with Molly Shannon sometimes and like as a, you know, gay artsy kid in Kentucky, like Molly Shannon on SNL was like, yeah. damn, it is so cool to be weird and different. So like mm. we grow up and you get to meet someone like that and they're just everything you want them to be mm. um, that those are always great moments. I can think of some other people that were like that just kind of pinch me moments are the things that are really inspiring totally makes sense yeah that'd be that'd be so cool to yeah to work it's, not, it's not always what you uh dreamt it would be <laughs> right right yeah you know you, they say you don't want to meet your heroes but luckily i haven't really had any bad experiences mm. but yeah. it is like when you meet people that you really look up to you realize, oh, they're they're actually just they're just a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's always interesting. Yeah, the realities of who they are as a person come to, yeah, come to light the moment that you meet them, and yeah, the the idea that they might not be what you in your head have made up, um, kind of yeah. Some hopefully it's good, but not always not always the case. But sounds like you've been fortunate to to meet the people and enjoy the time with them. Yeah. So I'm curious, who has been your biggest supporter or fan? Um, and that's really helped you to kind of keep going through uh, the struggles of, you know, being a, a creative and a celebrity makeup artist and, you know, the, the freelance life. Hmm. I would say it's definitely the people I knew before I did hmm. this. So, you know, my families, I have a handful of friends that I've known, you know, over 20 years and having their support and their excitement for me when I'm doing something Mm -hmm. um, really is what means the most to me. And especially like when you're in it and you're doing this all the time, you can almost kind of not necessarily feel jaded, but... Mm because you live in it you don't really see from the outside like the progress that you're making right. um, so it's really nice to hear from people that aren't in this knew before you did this and kind of getting reminded through their eyes of you know the hard work you're doing is paying off yeah the outside perspective is always nice to have because it kind of keeps you grounded if you will at least I found. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I was just saying like, you don't want to be surrounded by yes people either that just think everything you do is amazing. Like you don't want people blowing smoke up your ass all the time, but those genuine moments that you get from people from, from the before times are, are always great. Yeah. 100% true. All my friends from Sacramento, um, will definitely keep it real with me. And they're like, okay, Hollywood, like calm down, shut up. Like 
you, you don't you don't need to be don't need to act that certain way and i was like oh shit okay yes thank you thank you for the the reality check thank you so much right yeah <laughs> they do put you in your place when you need to be put in your place <laughs> exactly yeah i know and especially living in la for so long i feel like it definitely kind of not takes its toll but you kind of you don't even realize how like LA you may have become or like how, like you said, jaded to your situation. And so those people are definitely the ones that are like, yeah, wake up, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know every time I, I go home and visit my family, mm-hmm. um, cause most of them still live in Kentucky or in Tennessee now, some, but I'm always like, whoa, I, I forget like how different my life is and how privileged I am because I'm in it. So you just get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so true. Yeah. Oh, so let's talk about COVID a little bit. Um, you know, obviously you are very interpersonal with clients, you know, in their face, doing their makeup and everything. So what was it like for you during COVID? Uh, what was the, was it a struggle? Was it kind of, uh, was there freedom there for you? And then kind of how have you gotten through it and now into kind of all with all the way mid through 2023? I mean, wow. It really took a hit on my industry for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say the first six months of it, most makeup artists weren't working at all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for the next two years, it was like come and go with the waves and variants of COVID. So that was mm-hmm. challenging. Luckily, I've always been like a really good saver. Mm. <laughs> so I didn't really have that stress, which was nice. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, but what I'd say the biggest struggle of COVID for, for me, and what I've heard from a lot of people that are artists is when you're not able to do what you do for a living, that's also your art, you kind of forget who you are. So I've been Mm -hmm. so, I had been so busy being a makeup artist for, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think it was 15 or ish years by the time COVID got here. When I wasn't busy doing that, I'm like, who am I? What do I care mm-hmm. about? Because it's it's a blurry situation when you do what you love and it's also like your main interest in life. Yeah, right. So when that's taken away from you, you, you feel so lost. So a big part of COVID for me was kind of rediscovering um my old interests and hobbies. Yeah. So I started painting some again during COVID. I um, got back into scuba diving again. Um, I started taking some dance classes again once we were able to. Yeah. Just finding ways to like enrich my life that aren't related to makeup or my work at all. Mm-hmm. And I actually like to ask people about that a lot now like either at work or my friends even on dates is what are your hobbies and Mm. it's 
honestly a, a hard question for most people to answer because and I and I usually have to clarify to people what a hobby is and it can't it has to be something that's purely for joy like there can't be any attachment to what the outcome is yeah and that's hard like and I also don't count exercise as a hobby like mm-hmm. you might enjoy doing it but you do have a motive of going there. Hmm. So when you're doing something like dancing or painting or being in nature, um, you know, spending time with your pets, whatever you do, um, that's purely just for enjoyment. And um, I think in our, in hustle, hustle culture, um, especially as freelance artists, you can kind of lose sight of that because you become so obsessed with your work and being busy. Yeah. Yeah. No, so well said. You have to have those other parts of yourself to keep you um, fueled. Otherwise you'll burn out. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's crazy to me how many people like you're talking about don't have hobbies, (laughs) like legitimate don't have hobbies. Before COVID, like I probably couldn't have answered that question because all I ever Same. did was think about makeup. And when I wasn't working, I was thinking about makeup. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm glad and I got I, to kind of rediscover those other parts of myself. Yeah. What's well, funny too, because you also mentioned dating and I think that's like the most present and like obvious void of hobby or lack thereof uh when you start talking to people and like you're trying to find common interests and then you're like so what are your hobbies and they're like i like going to the gym six days a week and i like to go hiking and um yeah i like to drink beers with friends and i'm like i'm like wow okay that's mm, yeah that's not really hobby boo boo but okay good for you <laughs> i like that you right. like those things i'm happy that makes you happy but uh yeah exactly yeah 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 so true (laughs) do you find really joy in the fact that your schedule is not consistent in the sense that it could change at any moment because you're freelance do you do you feel like that is what works best for you i mean it's definitely something that took a lot of getting used to i feel like Mm. it takes years for you to really feel comfortable with the ups and downs Um, but you know it's like sometimes we might work every single day for a month and then sometimes i might not work for two or three weeks at all right and used to or in the beginning like that really could mess with you but now i've learned like really to enjoy it Mm. because i usually feel like if i'm having a downtime where i'm not working I just have faith in whatever the powers that be are that that means I'm about to be so busy. I wish I had a break. So you better Mm. fucking enjoy it. (laughs) Yes. And uh, that takes a lot of practice to feel comfortable with that. And I, I still get moments where I feel stressed about it, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at um, dealing with the ebbs and flows. Yeah. No, that's great. I think, yeah, it is, it is so hard being freelance in that regard, but the fact that you're able to kind of know that like, it's going to be so busy very soon. So like, let's just enjoy this time when it's dead Mm -hmm. is, is a huge mental kind of like 
takeover, the fact that you're able to kind of like jump over that hurdle and and recognize that. Because uh, I feel like a lot of freelancers don't, you know, they just like, it's constant panic and constant kind of like, and I'm guilty of it as well. But like, yeah, it's just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, I'm never going to work again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That was also another thing during COVID is like, I'm like, am I going to have to find a new career? Like one, I have no education other than high school. I've never done anything else. So I have like no wow. skills. I'm like, I don't even think I could get hired at a restaurant. Like, <laughs> I'm completely useless if I'm not doing makeup. And then the other part of me is like, I told you, I'm like, I can't go to college. Like, mm. there's no way. I'm just not made for that. So I feel like in the beginning, I was like, what are the, what other careers could I do? Mm. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, there's just, not anything else I want to do. So I'm just going to ride this one out and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge though. The fact that like, you know, you, you're sticking it out even through, like you said, the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and all three years of COVID and kind of are determined to like make that happen. Cause I, I feel you, I've, I felt the same way. I was kind of like, I think I was putting together a resume or something. Cause I was also questioning like, what am I going to do? Uh, in COVID and it was kind of like, bitch, you really don't have any other skills. Like <laughs> you didn't do well in academics. You're not really like you yeah. could do business stuff, but like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a reality check for sure. <laughs> I think we all kind of went through that little identity crisis. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very true. People that, you know, really are passionate about it and really want it stuck with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, kind of looking to the future, what are some goals that you have set for yourself for maybe the next three to five years or even 10 years from now, which, you know, seems so far away, but I'm sure we'll be here faster than we can, we can possibly think of. Right. <laughs> um, well, obviously I want to keep working with celebrities and, you know, you know, climb the ranks of, um, the celebrity ladder, I guess the fame ladder. Mm -hmm. Um, really what I, I would like to start getting more into is, uh, product development. Mm. Um, like I said, my friend that owns Viziart, I've helped her a lot with, um, creating color stories and imagery, um, for their line. I've helped Amazing. some other brands with uh, expanding their, um, their foundation range mm -hmm. and their, in their skin tones. So I really enjoy that side of the industry as well. And I'd, I'd really like to do a lot more of that. Okay. Awesome. My Want ultimate to... goal is to move to France. Oh, okay. Yes. I love it. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> France. Yeah. Um, do you have any plans or, or goals or determinations to like create your own uh, makeup line? I mean, kind of on that, on that vein that you were just talking about. You know, I really used to want to do that. I'm a little undecided now because I mean, the, the market is just so saturated now, like right. beauty influencers making their own brands. Now it's like the age of celebrity brands. Yeah. Like, there's so much out there. Like what hasn't been done? Even if you can think of something that hasn't been done, like there's a lot of competition out there. So right. maybe one day, I think if I did, I'd probably want to actually be more involved in skincare than I would with 
makeup. Makeup. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm like very passionate about skincare. Um, so we'll see. I don't have any definite plans or aspirations for that anymore like I used to, but I'm I'm definitely open to it. Yeah. I love that. And what part of France would you want to move to? Or do you plan to, we should say plan to move to because it's going to happen. We're putting that out there. Plan. Yeah. <laughs> I know ever since I got back, I've been back for, I think, almost two weeks now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, how can I really do this? Like, what's the <laughs> visa process? Like, where yeah. can I get work? How can I really make money? Like, what's the cost of living? Yeah. I'm myself crazy. But um, I really want to live in the south of France. So like Nice area. Um, and actually, back to the product question if I'd want to do my own line. Um, as you can tell, I have a passion for fragrance. <laughs> yes. And um, most fragrance is developed and comes from the south of France. Mm-hmm. There's a particular region called Grasse where almost all fragrance is developed now. So I think if I was to have my own line or even like a second career, I'd, I think I'd rather move into the fragrance category than um, skincare and makeup. Got it. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to the south of France, develop my own fragrances and just live this fabulous life. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to do it because when I make my mind up about something, I always make it happen. Yeah. Is that in your like three to five year plan or like, yeah. Do you have kind of a timeline set? I mean, you said you're already looking into yeah. trying to get the freaking visas yeah, and I'm, shit. So I'm 30. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 35 now. And my plan is to be living there by the time I'm 40. Yes. Amazing. Um, within the next five years. Yeah. And I take French lessons, even though my French is not that great, but I'm like committed to, working towards it yeah that's great that's such a that's a, such a great determination and goal to have um yeah and you're like already working and manifesting it in your life so i look forward to now i have somewhere to go visit yes vacation let's go to nice <laughs> yes oh my gosh it'll be so fun we're gonna eat all the bread drink yes. all the wine Yes. So, so good. Oh, French food. Yum. I'm curious, what would you say to your future self 15 years from now? Almost like a message in the bottle. So you're living in France, obviously we're already there, but what would you say to your future self? Okay. That's That's actually a very good question because I feel like most of the time you think about what you would say to your past self. Right. Um, But my future self, I would say... You fucking did it and you stuck, you stuck it out and you made it happen. Like, enjoy your life now. You did Mm. it. (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. Well said. Um, And then I like to ask everyone, is there a motto or phrase that you personally live by um, that is kind of like either kept you going or is the thing that kind of like uh, has always stuck with you? Mm -hmm. I do. And um, my my personal motto, and I tell myself this every day, sometimes multiple times a day, is I believe, I say, I am the luckiest person in the world. And I really believe that. I was like randomly lucky with, you know, contests and stuff as as a kid. And 
And now I feel really lucky that I get to do what I love, support myself doing it, meet amazing people. And I just feel like truly blessed. I feel very lucky. I tell myself that every day. And I feel like that just kind of opens myself up to great possibilities. And it's a very open-ended mantra where you're not, there's no specific outcome. Like I'm not really big on manifesting because Mm. to me, like you don't always know what's best for yourself. Mm. So if you're manifesting like on something very specific that you want, Mm -hmm. to me, it's almost like an abuse of the power that you've been given by the universe. Mm. And so I like things that are open-ended like that. Um, because it kind of just puts you in this state where you're ready to receive whatever is the best outcome for you. And sometimes that's beyond anything you could ever imagine for yourself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So well said, you know, the, yeah, (laughs) yeah. The, in my Buddhist practice, we talk about how our lives are actually like the macro of the macrocosm of the or I'm always like, fuck this up. It's the macro of the micro or no, we're the micro of the macrocosm. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, Which is that like our lives, as as you're kind of talking about, we have this incredible life. Like you're talking about this lucky life that is so much bigger than we're even our little brains are even able to kind of make sense of. So like, yeah, being able to like try and understand that or come up with the ideas for that doesn't always work. So yeah, being, but being open to the infinite possibilities are, is such, such an incredible thing. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is like being able to look back on things that you've been through that weren't great. You know, everyone goes through fucked up things. Everyone has trauma, but if you do the work, to either figure out your part in it or kind of see what you can learn from it. Um, I'm even thankful for the shitty stuff that happened to me. Like, cause now when I can look back on it, they've only ever redirected me where I needed Mm -hmm. to go or taught me something about myself that I needed to learn in order to be better. So I mean, some people would say that's denial. I I don't deny negative emotions and events, but you do have to kind of um, reframe things sometimes. And my other kind of mantra kind of goes along with being, I'm the luckiest person in the world. Um, I'm a follower of The Course in Miracles. Um, So I don't know if you're familiar with like Marianne Williamson or... Um, she didn't write the course in miracles, but she's a teacher of it. And, um, it's kind of the idea that the general energy life force that's in everything, even things that aren't alive, like this door, the things that hold the atoms together, Mm -hmm. that energy is in everyone. And there's a natural intelligence to the universe where things will automatically grow to their highest potential. Mm. Like the difference with people is we have our own free will. So we can interrupt that process and get in our own way and form blocks. So my other mantra 
is that I, I just pray to whatever it is that I be a vessel for that energy to flow through me so that along with the luck thing, whatever is my greatest possibility will, will happen through me. Yes. Beautifully said, drop the mic. Pop. Which may be too, maybe too woo woo for people, but <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying don't have goals, but don't be so attached to them because something better could be coming along. Yes. Damn. That was well said. Very good, Aaron. Thank you so much. Um, well, that really does wrap it up. Um, I, I just, Marianne Williamson for that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I just like to ask, uh, where can people follow you and see your work, uh, as well as all your social media tags? I'll of course link everything below in the show notes and whatnot, sure. but, uh, for everyone to know where they can follow you. Sure. I'm primarily on Instagram, Aaron Paul beauty. And then one of my recent projects to kind of challenge myself is I did start a TikTok also <laughs> at Aaron Paul beauty. Nice. I'm trying to like dip my toe in the influencing world. Nice. Um, and it's actually been kind of fun because I, I can be pretty shy, especially mm. about putting myself out there on the internet. <laughs> mm. So it, it's been a nice challenge for me and I'm enjoying doing it. So even if it doesn't turn into anything, I like talking about makeup and products. So if you're interested, take a look. Incredible. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I look forward to uh, seeing you in France because that's like a gotta go. Um, and yes. anything else, and We're everything else is that way. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Alan. This was a treat. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this week's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. And a huge thank you to Aaron Paul for all of his time and his stories. This week's Buddhist quote of the week is: "The real struggle in life is with ourselves." The true secret of success is the refusal to give up, the refusal to fail. It lies in the struggle to win the battle against one's own weaknesses by Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this week's episode. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a big thumbs up if you're watching here on YouTube. Check out this video right here if you want a full episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. And until then, I will see you in that video. Thank you so much. Please stay safe and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. What is up, Creative Lotus family? Thank you so much for supporting the Creative Lotus Podcast. Go ahead and follow us on social media. On Facebook, we're at the Creative Lotus Podcast. Here on YouTube, maybe you're watching, we're at the Creative Lotus Podcast as well. And on Instagram, we're at the Creative Lotus Pod. And my personal handle is at Alan Zaki. We say thank you once again. Go ahead and subscribe, listen, write a review. And until the next episode, we'll see you there. Have a wonderful day and stay safe. Bye-bye.